Christmas isn't always merry and bright. Sometimes it evokes memories of lost loved ones, failed dreams and disappointments. And when the world is celebrating that silent night when Christ was born, some of us are enduring our own dark and quiet night. But we must remember in the dark what we have known to be true in the light. The truth that sustains us through difficulty, hardship, loneliness and despair. You are loved. God is near. God can redeem this. You are not alone. So I don't usually do this, but I do want to call attention to our tech and production teams and our music teams. Um, this is a busy time of year for those guys. I used to be a worship leader before I was a, a, a preacher, pastor, whatever I am now. I don't even know. Um, I used to do that. And so Christmas is crazy, right? Because you got to do Christmas Eve services coming in two days. And they've just done a spectacular job. For those of you who have been with us for these four weeks, spectacular job over the last four weeks just putting together these services for us. So I wanted us to take a quick minute and thank them, if that's okay with you. I have said it before and I will say it again that's how it sounds in my head when I sing um, so listen uh, I wanted to do a little lyric pop quiz again to start us off today we did one a couple weeks ago about love but today I want to do a lyric pop quiz about loneliness so I'll give you the lyric you give me the band okay all the lonely people where do they all come from Who, who's this the Beatles, that's right. That's Eleanor Rigby, of course. What about, who, who sang about one less lonely girl? Be, that's right. That's absolutely correct. The, the classic pop star, Justice Beaver, uh, Canadian pop star. Very, very good. Uh, uh, who sang When the Night Falls? It's actually When the Night Falls, My Lonely Heart Calls. Who sang this one? Who? Whitney Houston. Oh, I want to dance with somebody. I want to be a heat with somebody. Sorry, I forgot you were there. I forgot you guys were there for a minute. I just went there in my head. Starting to get harder now. Who's saying, don't let me be lonely tonight? That's the original JT, James Taylor, not Justin Timberlake. That's not JT. That's JT, Justin Tim uh, just, uh, James Taylor. It's going to get harder, 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 okay? Who sang about the owner of a lonely Owner of a lonely heart. Do you know the answer? That's not Pat Benatar. Do you know the answer? Yeah, that's right. You do know the answer because the band is called Yes. That's right. <laughs> That's the trick. That's the trick. All right, so here's the last one. Show me the meaning of being lonely. Backstreet Boys. Some of you, all the Backstreet Boys. Praise God. This is funny to me because this is, is this not the most arrogant thing you could ever sing in your life? You know, I'm a Backstreet Boy. I don't know what it feels like to be lonely. I mean, look at me. <laughs> so if I wanted to know what it felt like to be lonely, I would have to have you show me. Because I've never been lonely. Once again, did I mention I'm a backstreet boy? <laughs> I want you to know, and here's where we're going to jump off this morning, that loneliness is an absolute epidemic in our society today. It really is. 
I mean, the society and culture and family and our personal well-being is coming apart at the seams as a result of loneliness. I don't know if you know this, but uh, statistics show that in the 1970s and 1980s, if you were to ask 100 people, how, or do they feel lonely often, 15 of those 100 would say, yeah, I feel lonely often, 1970s and 1980s. Now, if you ask 100 people, do you feel lonely often, 50 of them would say, I feel lonely often. That's more than three times the amount of people in a 30-year time span that would say, I feel lonely often. This is a difficult, difficult situation. Loneliness is indeed an epidemic in our society. And it's not just an epidemic because loneliness results in mental health things and disconnection from community. It often contributes to suicide rates. But loneliness can impact our physical health as well. Look at what the U.S. National Institute on Aging says about loneliness. Say that research has linked social isolation and loneliness to higher risks for a variety variety of physical and mental conditions. So high blood pressure, heart disease, obesity, a weakened immune system, anxiety, depression, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's disease, and even death. Loneliness can be a contributor to all of those things. In fact, uh, the U.S. National Institute on Aging suggests that regular feelings of loneliness would be comparable to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. They would impact your health. Regular feelings of loneliness would impact your health in the same way that smoking a pack of cigarettes a day would. So I wanted to know what smoking a pack of cigarettes a day would do to my health. So I started smoking this way. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. I've never smoked in my life. I don't smoke now. I've never smoked in my life. But there's this website. It's a very morbid little situation. I love it. It's called deathclock.com. Have you ever been on it? Okay, you go on, you put in your height, your weight, your gender, your age, and it tells you when you're going to die. Oh, very macabre, but I love it. And so I put in all my information, and apparently I am going to die on October 24th, 2037. I have 563,200,266 seconds left to live. So if you would, mark your calendars for services that we'll probably hold right around Halloween for when I die. Okay, if I was to, some of you are going, this is the worst church I've ever been to. This is horrible. (laughs) Stick with me. If I started smoking today, I changed, I changed, and I said, okay, let's say I was smoking. Uh, my death day would go back by 17 years. 17 years if I started smoking today. And because the U.S. National Institute on Aging says that loneliness is comparable to smoking a pack of cigarettes a day in terms of your health, if you are feeling lonely on a regular basis, that might shave off a decade and a half of your life. That's what research shows. And this is not like random, kind of, you know, maybe I'm making this stuff up. This is real data. Loneliness is absolutely an epidemic in our society. So what I want to do today is talk to a couple of people. One, I want to talk to those of you who don't understand that Backstreet Boys lyric. Show me the meaning of being lonely. I know exactly what that feels like that you would be one of those 50 out of 100 that say, yes, I feel lonely on a regular basis. I want to talk to you. I want to remind you of a couple of truths 
And I want to give you just some practical things that you can do to maybe mitigate against some of those feelings of loneliness. Then I want to talk to a group of people in the room that are a part of the body of Christ. And even if you're not part of the body of Christ, even if you're not part of the church, it's your first time here or whatever, I want to give us some practical things that we can do to support those of us who do feel lonely on a regular basis. And you're going to hear me use the first person plural quite a bit this morning. I'll say things like those of us or we, because I feel lonely a lot too. I mean, you might think, well, you're the lead pastor of a church. There's like five or 600 people in this room and, you know, everybody wants to drop off gifts for the pastor and all that stuff. I, and, and, if you, and if you do, we've published a list of things that I would like on our website. So you just jump on, it's right there on the front page. You don't have to look for it or anything, my Christmas wish list. Um, that is a joke. But for those who knew people, that is totally a joke. But I feel, I, there's a regular feelings of loneliness. I don't have a lot of people in my life that I relate to very, very closely that do the same thing I do as a career, as a vocation. I mean, it's, it's, it can be challenging to make deep, meaningful, significant relationships in, in my role. And also, people don't want to talk to me very much. So um, there's that part of things. You know, I, I have these regular feelings of loneliness. So you're going to hear me talk about we and not you. So I want to, uh, before we go any further, draw a distinction between being alone and feeling lonely, because those are two different things. Uh, this is a neuroscientist, actually, a leading neuroscientist in the United States that has spent his entire career studying loneliness, and he says this, that loneliness is perceived social, social isolation. It's the discrepancy between what you want from your social relationships and your perception of those relationships. So you have your desires and your expectations in terms of what you're getting from your social relationships, and then you have what you think you're getting or what you're actually getting. And the greater those things are apart, the more lonely you feel. Because if you don't have any expectations from your friends or social environments, if you just want to be alone all the time, that doesn't mean you're going to feel lonely because your expectations and your reality line up. It's when your expectations and your reality don't feel the same. And the greater that gap, the increased feelings of loneliness that you might have. Let's say that a different way so we all understand what we're talking about. This word alone is an objective word. It's just a simple, neutral statement of fact. You are alone sometimes. That just happens. But feeling lonely is subjective. It's about your perception. The reason I want to clarify that this morning is because I want to talk to my introvert friends in the room. What I'm not going to do to you today is tell you that you need to go spend as much time with people as you possibly can. And extroverts in the room, I'm not going to say that, you know, change your life or whatever. What I want to talk to is those of you who feel lonely. Just, as a, just as out of curiosity, how many of you would, by a show of hands, admit that you are like me, you are an introvert? Introvert. Okay, cool. How many of you are extroverts? Okay, cool. Interesting. And then there's like 30% of you that didn't vote at all because you're on your phones. It's fine. Um, <clears throat> That means you're neither an introvert nor an extrovert. You need to put down your phone. That's what that means. So, so how many of you, and I'm curious, how many of you are the weird introvert that really needs some therapy? And what I mean by that is how many of you introverts would be down to go see a movie by yourself? 
That's a problem. That is a problem. You are messed up. How many of you, you weird introverts, you're down to travel by yourself? Ugh. Ugly. And being in church on a Sunday morning, introverts, is it not your worst nightmare? It's like, oh my gosh, people. Ugh. You know? I would like to sit by myself. Do they have a room where they pipe the sermon into where I can just watch it by myself? Messed up. So here's what I'm not going to tell you, introverts, that you need to change your life and all that stuff. I don't want to change the extrovert-introvert thing. What I want to solve for this morning is that feeling of loneliness. Are you with me? Because you can feel lonely even when you're not alone. You know what I mean? You can feel lonely even in a crowded room. That's why you can be alone and not feel lonely. Because alone is just totally objective. You can be alone, I don't feel lonely. But you can be around 100 people and still feel really, really, really lonely. So I want to solve for some of those feelings of loneliness and just tell you the truth about them. So I want to start with those folks. I want, uh, I want to change and then talk to people in ways that you can support those of us that feel lonely. And then we're going to do an exercise together as a congregation. And I don't mean jumping jacks, right? We're just going to do something together. And before we get to that exercise, it would be really wise for you to jump on our free Wi-Fi in here and download the Baby Glen Church app. If you don't do that, that's fine. You cannot pay attention to the sermon for a minute, but download the Bayview Glen Church app. That will be something that helps us do this exercise together this morning. Uh, if not, you can jump on the website and, and do that through a browser or whatever. So let's start with those of us who feel lonely. Here's the first thing I want to tell you. You're not alone in feeling lonely. I think we think a lot of times that my loneliness is weird. It's strange. It's odd. I'm the only one who feels this way. Except for King David in the Old Testament, the man after God's own art who, who united the kingdom of Israel and wrote many of the Psalms, writes this in Psalm chapter 25, verse 16. He says, turn to me, O God, and be gracious to me, for I am, say this word with me, lonely and afflicted. The prophet Isaiah writing about Jesus, we looked at a little bit of that prophecy this morning, says that he was a man despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Not even a man who grieved, but he was acquainted with grief. In fact, twice, twice in the New Testament, the word lonely is used. Twice and only twice. And in both occasions, the word lonely is used to refer to a place. Jesus went to a lonely place to pray. Jesus went to a desolate place, some translations say, but that is a lonely place. And that adjective doesn't just describe the place, but it also describes Jesus' state of mind and heart. He was lonely. In fact, on the cross, when that one intimate relationship that Jesus had from eternity past with his heavenly father was severed, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken? I'm lonely. See, you're not alone in feeling lonely. You are not alone in feeling lonely. There are other people in this room, yours truly is one of them, who feels that sometimes. One of the very first times I sat down in um, therapy, I was 20 years old. And I was going through a little bit of a difficult time. And I sat down with this therapist and, and like picture like the stereotypical therapist, you know what I mean? Like the beard, um, she was really pretty, but she had a, um, <laughs> it was a man, man with a beard, and he had, he had the patches, you know the patches on the sport coat, you know what I'm talking about? And he might as well have been smoking a pipe and that thing. And it didn't, you know, I didn't stick with this therapist, it didn't go well, but I just saw him one time, but he said one thing that has stuck with me for over 20 years, listen, 
He said, no matter what you're going through, there are three people that you cannot let get into your head. He said, okay. He said, Mr. Nobody loves me, Mr. Nobody cares, Mr. Nobody understands. Those people are gonna lie to you and tell you that in the midst of your loneliness, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your divorce, in the midst of your grief, in the midst of your infidelity to your spouse, in the midst of your addiction, in the midst of your besetting sin, in the midst of your depression, in the midst of whatever it is you're going through, I'm the only person that's ever been through this. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell, my friends. There are other people in this room that have been through that too. Whatever it is, you're not just not alone in those things, but you are not alone in your feeling lonely. Number two, it might sound the same, but it's a little bit different. Let's jump into the next one. You might feel lonely, but you are not alone. You might feel lonely, but you are not alone. Here's how I know that, because God has promised that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Drop that next slide for me. That he is with us always, even to the end of the age. The author of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us. That means you might feel lonely, but you are not alone. You might feel like I don't have a ton of friends. You might feel like my family has deserted me. You may feel those things in your heart. And I want to validate those feelings and say they're totally legitimate emotions. But our emotions don't always represent reality, do they? Hmm. Amy has to remind me of that all the time, you know. Our emotions don't always represent reality. What you know trumps what you feel. And the promise of God that he always keeps, by the way, is that he will always be with you. You are never friendless. You have a great high priest who is able to sympathize with all your weaknesses, been tempted in every way just like you have but did not sin. He lost friends too. He had people betray him too. He was homeless too. He endured poverty too. You might feel lonely, but you are not alone. Number three, for those of you who often feel lonely, not just the truth of God's word, but I want to give you a little bit of an action step here, okay? I want to give you an action step. Don't wait for connection, work for connection. I think that it's really, really tempting, and I've been this way in my life too, for us to sit back and go, why don't people talk to me? And some of you might be thinking, Pastor Lucas, we know why they don't talk to you. You're not any fun to talk to, but this is not your time. This is my time, okay? So I get to talk now, all right? So here's the thing. I would, I would encourage you, exhort you, just nudge you, just nudge you. Don't sit back and wait for connection and, and give yourself an excuse. I know it's tempting. I know it's tempting. I know it's tempting, but it's not going to get you anywhere, is it? It's not going to be productive. You got to start working for connection. This is why when the Bible starts to talk about biblical community and the church, there are active verbs used. Get after it. Move towards it. The author of Hebrews writes this, uh, let us consider how to stir one another up toward love and good deeds. Let's, let's think about it. Let's be mindful. Let's plan and prepare and think, uh, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not neglecting to meet together. Be active in your participation in the body of Christ. And some of you are thinking, well, I attend church. It's more than that. It's not just attending church, it's being the church. 
It's developing those relationships. And I know that coming to church, going to church, is not always easy. It's not always easy to get up and get moving. It's not always easy, especially this time of year, for the love of all that's holy. I know, I know, it. I know it's not always easy. I heard a story actually recently about a guy who got up on a Sunday morning, and he was like, I'm, I'm not going. Like, I'm not going to church. He told his wife, look, I got three reasons why I'm not going to church. Number one, I hate the building. I've never liked it. Number two, I hate the people. Number three, the people hate me. So I'm not going to church. And his wife said, look, slick, I'll give you three reasons why you are going to church. Number one, I'm up, I'm ready, you're going with me. Number two, the kids are up, they're ready, you're going with them. Number three, you're the pastor, so they expect that you would <laughs> be there. That was this morning in our house. That's, that's how, that, how that happened. So I came, so I came, here I am. I know it's not always easy. I've been there with you, but Christian community and authentic relationships are a lot like retirement. You've got to invest before you can withdraw. You've got to put that time in and work for connection. I know when we feel lonely, it's difficult. This is why Philippians chapter two says this, uh, uh, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. See, that's a volition, that's a decision. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Don't wait for connection, work for it. Don't wait for connection, work for it. That's why we get up here on Sunday mornings and talk about life groups all the time. It's not because, oh, it's kind of neat, it's a little program we do. It's because it's an opportunity for you to solve for some of this loneliness you feel in your life. Here's the next one. We're going to move to JT 2.0, Justin Timberlake, and he said, say something. Of course, one of the greatest theologians of all time, uh, Justin Timberlake, say something. And look, what I mean by this is that you have got to get to the point where you're comfortable sharing with someone in your life what is really going on in your heart. You will always feel lonely until or unless you develop a trust relationship where you can be honest with somebody and say, I'm doubting that God even exists right now. I don't think I'm in love with my spouse anymore. You know, I, I think I might have a drug problem. You'll never solve for loneliness until you say something. This is why in Acts chapter 2, when Luke is describing the relationships that the early church had with one another, he says this. He writes, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We've talked about this before, but I want to remind us today, this word generous in the original language, it literally means unfolded. What is unfolded? Unfolded. People with small kids, I have small kids, five-year-old, 16-month-old, people with small kids, how often do you find stuff in the folds of your bed? We find stuff in there all the time. We found a bunch of Smarties in there. We find toys in there. We found a little doll in there. And that's just my stuff, you know? But then you add Kaya and Kanan's stuff just tucked away in all those little folds. And this is what we do sometimes. We fold up our hearts a little bit so that we can tuck things away. This word is literally unfolded. Unfold your heart to somebody in your life that you trust. I don't mean go in and emotionally vomit on people because people who vomit are sick. 
And people who emotionally vomit are emotionally unwell. So that's not what I mean. What I mean is develop and cultivate those trust relationships to the point where you can unfold your heart and just say something. Say something about where you're really at. And I cannot tell you how many times in my own personal life that someone in a small group of people, whether it was a formalized thing or just a bunch of friends, when someone said something, put that next slide up here, when someone said something, there's somebody else in the room that goes, oh, I've been through that. Well, I'm going through that. I didn't want to say anything, but now that you've said something, I'll say something. And all of a sudden, people start to realize that they're not alone because one person, one person was courageous enough to say, here's where I'm at. Three things real quickly for those of you who want to support those of us who feel lonely, and then we're going to move into our exercise. Here's the three things. The first is just be there with people. Be there. This is great for me because there is no expectations when it comes to just being with somebody. You don't have to give great advice. You don't have to know all the Bible answers. You just have to sit with them. You know, this is a biblical concept, as a matter of fact. If you remember the story of uh, Mary and Martha who lose their brother Lazarus, the, the Bible says that all of the religious leaders and their community came around them when they lost their brother and when they were grieving and they were in their home. What they were doing is this ancient Jewish practice called sitting shiva. When people are sad, when they're grieving, they just sit with them. There's no advice. There's no, you're just sitting. And they did it for seven days. For seven days, just part of the natural grieving process that a community did together. It really is an art form, sitting shiva with somebody and just being with them in the midst of their loneliness, in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their pain. Don't try to solve it. Don't try to take the edge off. Just sit with us. It makes so much difference just to know that you are there. Number two, listen. Listen. And when I say listen, I don't just mean listen enough that you can repeat back to me what I just said. I mean, listen with your heart. Try to get into my shoes, empathize, understand. For the person in your life that's dealing with something, especially loneliness, maybe you don't totally get it cognitively, but ask good questions like, could you help me understand that? Could you give me an example? How did that make you feel? And listen really well. And here's the third thing that you can do for us in order to help solve for our loneliness is that you can pray. You can pray. It is a commandment of Scripture that those of us who call ourselves Christians that are part of the church, the body of Christ, that we pray for one another. Did you know that? James chapter 5 says pray for one another. Galatians chapter 6 says bear one another's burdens. This is not a suggestion. If you get around to it, if you find time. No, when, when someone else in the body is hurting, especially if they're feeling alone in the midst of that, we shoulder their burden with them through prayer. We pray. Which leads us really nicely into our exercise this morning. I would like to give us an opportunity to pray for one another. And what we're going to do is use a digital platform that we've used for the last two, three, four years here at Bayview Glen called our prayer wall. Our prayer wall is a place where you can post prayer requests and you can also get on and see those requests that have been posted publicly 
and pray for those people. So that's what we're going to do. So for those of you in the room who are thinking, I've got a prayer request. Maybe I don't want to share it publicly. I'd like to share it anonymously. We can do that. We can help you do that. If you're thinking of something in your life, you, I feel alone in the midst of this. I feel lonely. I want somebody to rally around me and pray for me. If that's you with a prayer request, I want you to grab your phone right now. Grab your phone. Actually, everybody grab your phone. Everybody grab your phone because you're going to need it even if that's not you. Everybody grab your phone. You either need to pop open the Bayview Glen Church app and just go down to where it says prayer and click that. Or you need to get on a web browser, Safari, Google Chrome, uh, Internet Explorer. Is anybody still using Internet Explorer? Praise God. Um, I believe Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob also used Internet Explorer. Um, AOL. Does anybody remember AOL? Sometimes I think I should manuscript my sermons, you know, so I don't say stuff like that. Um, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to pop on to the Bayview Glen Church website. It's bayviewglen.org, and this is what you'll see. Down in the left-hand corner, you'll see an advertisement here that we are doing Christmas Eve services at 5, 6.30, and 8 p.m. on Tuesday night. Be sure that you're here. Be sure you bring an unchurched friend, 5, 6.30, and 8 on Christmas Eve. Up at the top, you'll see a navigation that says, welcome. You don't want that for your family. You don't want that. Maybe another time. What, to, what you want right now is next steps. And scroll down to prayer and click that, and it'll bring you to our prayer wall. On our prayer wall, if you scroll down, you'll see a button that says share your prayer request. Click that. Pop in a little simple information, email address, your name, your phone number. Tell us whether you want to share this publicly or anonymously or maybe don't share it at all just with staff. We'll do that for you. Then jot your prayer request down. Please make them brief this morning. I know that these things are sophisticated and long a lot of times. Make them brief. You answer a simple question that tells us that you're not a robot. What is 10 minus 7.5? The answer is 3.5, by the way. And, and, and then just click submit. And what happens is that prayer request will go to a moderator, and that, prayer, and that moderator will approve whether or not that request is going to go up publicly. We do that so that people don't say, pray for Pastor Lucas because his sport coat looks stupid. Like, we don't want that. And we also don't want people to name names and things like that. And listen, right this second, that moderator is standing by and listening. So post your request. In fact, Jeff, Jeff, is Jeff here? Where's Jeff? Jeff, thank you, Jeff. Everybody say hi to Jeff. Jeff's going to provide a, a, little bit of, a little bit of very godly underscore uh, for our time of prayer real quick. So if, if you have your phone, app, whatever out, post your prayer request. Post it. Click submit. The moderator is going to click in real time. Go ahead and go up. And our prayer requests are going to start going up on that website right now, right this second. I know it's challenging. I know that it's an act of courage. I know that you might get concerned about that, but take the time to do it so that your fellow believers can rally around you and pray for you. That's what we're doing today so that you know that you are not alone in whatever it is you're going through. In my diagnosis, in my divorce, in my wayward child, in my prayer for my neighbor who doesn't know Jesus, in my struggle with my sexuality, in whatever it is, we want you to know that you are not alone. 
you are not alone. And here's how we're going to do that. If you didn't post a request, or even if you did, the next step is to jump back on the homepage, just like this. And the first thing you're going to notice is that we have an ad for Christmas Eve services at 5, 6, 30, and 8. I don't know if I've mentioned that yet this morning. Yeah, okay. 5, 6, 30, and 8, great opportunity to bring an unchurched friend. Go up here to Next Steps and click Prayer again. It'll take you to our prayer wall. And once you scroll down, what you'll see is those prayer requests that have been posted right now coming up in real time. Somebody else in the room posted a request and they're right there on the front page or on that prayer wall of the website. And you can say, I prayed for that and click it. And what happens is right now it says four people have prayed. If you click it, now you know five people have prayed. Same here, four people have prayed. If you click it, five people have prayed. And that person that posted a request will get a notification in their email box that says, I prayed for you today. Somebody prayed for you today. Somebody in this room. So if you're scrolling through it right now, just start praying for those people and click I prayed. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Whichever ones resonate with you the most, pray for those. If you see somebody on there posting about a divorce they're going through and you've been through a divorce, you pray for that one. If they're going through a diagnosis and you've been diagnosed, pray for that one. If they're going through their own dark night of the soul, if they're feeling lonely and you feel that, you pray for that one. So then that person knows not only is somebody praying for me, but somebody who's been through the same thing is praying for me. They give me 40 minutes on Sunday morning. I just preach for 35. So that means we've got five more minutes of opportunity for you to post requests. So keep posting them, keep posting them. Take that step of faith and courage. I know there's reluctance. I know sometimes it can be a little bit scary, but you can do so anonymously if you want to. And up here on the screens behind me, what you'll see is the prayer wall being refreshed live. And it's interesting to me, I don't know if you've been watching it at all, but every time they refresh it, those four prayer requests that you see disappear and go down to the bottom because prayer requests are just being posted right now like crazy. Just so you know, this exists all the time. This is up on our website all the time, an opportunity for us to connect as a body of Christ, to say, I need somebody to come alongside me in prayer. You just post it right up there. You lost a friend, post it on the site. Your need of work, post it on the prayer wall, and we would love to pray for you. And as you get those notifications in your email box, and as you see those notifications go up on the prayer wall, remember... Remember that you are not alone, that the body of Christ is rallying around you in whatever it is you're going through. You might feel lonely, but you are not alone. Keep looking through it and praying for it. I still got four and a half minutes. How many of you using the app like I am? Anybody on the app? Yeah, I'm on the app. Yeah, cool. Cool. Or you get yeah, or you can just jump right on Safari there. Tell somebody you prayed for them. Bear their burden with them. Oh man, we're praying for Hong Kong. Thank you, whoever posted that.
Yeah, buddy, thank you for that one. I'll just, I'll just read this one because, uh, I mean, I know how this feels, and it's posted publicly. It's posted anonymously. I've lost interest in reading the Bible. It seems like I'm too busy for the Bible. Spiritual things don't interest me, like YouTube and social media. I prayed for that. How many of you in the room have ever been through that? Raise your hand. One, two, three, go. There you go. You aren't alone in that, my friend, I guarantee you. Oh, yeah, thanks for posting that about university and high school students that are in exams right now. Like 24 people prayed for that. Everybody's like, oh, man, I'm stressed too. Only time in your life you're going to hear preachers say, keep your phone out. The worship team's going to come back out and lead us in a song to close. We're going to assume that if you're on your phone, you are not checking scores, Okay. I know it's big week 16 in the NFL. I'm with you. I'm praying for the Packers tomorrow night. In fact, I'm gonna post that request on the prayer wall. Like, so you're not checking scores. You're praying for somebody else in the room to remind them that they are not alone. And my prayer for you, look up at me as your pastor, because this is fun for me. I know it's not all about me, but this is fun for me as your pastor. My prayer for you through the course of this four weeks of silent night is that you know that God loves you. That he is near to you that he will redeem this, whatever it is, and that the last one here is you are not alone. And I hope this exercise reminds you in a big way from your head to your heart that you are not alone. Keep praying, keep posting. And as we do that, let's stand together as we close in song. God, thank you for the opportunity to worship today. Thank you for your nearness to us. Thank you for these big truths. And oh God, I pray that they would move from an intellectual knowledge to an experiential knowledge, from a head knowledge to a heart knowledge. I pray that in that simple little exercise that may even felt a little bit silly to some, maybe I don't know, that just in a very small way that somebody this Christmas season would be reminded that they are not alone, that you are near to them, and that you've given us one another to come around each other and pray for one another. God, remind us that we are not alone. Help us to be people that continue to pray for one another throughout the week. In Jesus' name, amen.